to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. Faith, you take your copy of God's Word and turn to Exodus chapter 2. to uh, take a moment and thank publicly our uh, Williams Cook team for the excellent job they did on Friday. They were a team in motion throughout 24 hours plus. Uh, the plan kept changing and they kept changing with it. And uh, you know, they didn't grumble, they didn't complain, they just did what had to be done. And I want to thank them uh, for all their hard work and say that if you would like to join uh, in with them this week, you can. Um, I also want to make a point about this. So we were supposed to start feeding at Williams High School, and then... It went that we were going to feed at Turin time. And then it came that we were going to feed at Smith. All right? So we wound up feeding at Smith. Never miss, and I'm going to get to this in a, in a minute, but never miss the opportunity to minister in the midst of changing plans. Because at Smith, there was all the Turin time staff. And so once we fed the team... We still had food left over. So then we went and fed the Turrentine staff. And then what did we do? There's a whole other staff there. We fed the Smith staff. See how God works? See how God works? We were able to minister to a whole bunch of teachers and feed the football team. And for the first time in my entire career, fed the football team spaghetti and the football team won. You don't know how big a deal that was for me. So, praise God. Exodus chapter 2. Would you pray with me? Take, O oh Lord, this text and give us wisdom to see it afresh. We know this song, we sing this song, we've worn this passage out. But Lord, there's still something here for us today. And by your Spirit, may we find it. Give me the words that are needed for all those who have gathered to hear from you as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Humans are given senses to help guide them through their life's journey. 
senses not only enable us to adequately experience life, to see, to smell, to hear, to touch, to taste, but they also use, we use them to create platforms by which we experience new things in life. Through our senses, something grabs our attention and we are able to pursue it for further exploration. We use our senses for all sorts of things. But do we ever use our senses for spiritual purposes? Do we use our five senses for spiritual purposes to encounter God in new ways that we may be better enabled to serve God in this world? You may be thinking, how would we ever go about doing this? Well, our our text opens to us several avenues for exploration. First is the question for us this morning of how we are using our senses of sight and smell to encounter God. Look with me at verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Here we have Moses some 40 years or so after he has fled Egypt following his killing of an Egyptian for their harsh treatment of a Hebrew And he's minding his own business, tending his flocks, when suddenly Moses' senses go into overdrive. There's nothing in the text that suggests that he smelt something and that that led him to investigate matters as it does so often us. You ever get in the car and you smell something and you're like, Well, did I leave some bit of grocery in the car and it roll under the seat? And so you get out and it's, you're looking for it or you, you know, you, you smell something else and you're like, what is that smell? And you go searching. Liza has phantom smells. She smells things that aren't even there. Nevertheless, she goes searching for them. There's nothing in the text that tells us that Moses smelt anything. But it's a question for us. Do we allow our sense of smell, whether that be through smelling something or not smelling something, to cause us to investigate further? More pointedly, do you ever smell yourself and ask what's up? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about going... Not, not what I'm arguing for this morning, beloved. I'm asking, do you ever smell your faith? Do you ever smell your faith? You know, in the book of Amos, God says to Amos, tell them 
that their worship is a stench. Do you ever take time, beloved, to smell your faith? Is your faith pleasing? Aroma? Or is your faith stinking? You know, part of the problem with American Christianity right now is that our faith stinks. Grace, beloved, has a sweet aroma to it. And too far often, all anybody talks about when they talk about Christians in America in 2023 is that we're hateful. Hate always stinks. But grace, beloved, is an overwhelmingly wonderful smell. And so the question is, do you know how you smell this morning? And you say, well, I don't smell anything. Well, beloved, if your faith don't have any smell to it, that too might be a problem. That too might be a problem because it might need you, you might need to say, what am I not doing so that my faith does smell pleasant? Now for Moses, the lack of smell combined with sight caused him to investigate. There's no burning bush smell here. Because the bush is not being consumed, we're told. So nothing's burning that would give off the smell of, of a bush burning. It's just there and it's burning. And Moses has never seen anything like this. And so the scripture tells us that he goes and does what? Investigates. I've got to see this thing. I mean, do you ever see something and say... I ain't never seen anything like that before. I got to go look at this. Beloved, do you ever do that? Do you ever do that spiritually? Because when Moses investigates, something happens. Number four, verse number four says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush... Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. I find this passage of Scripture remarkable. Because it, it clearly states, I'm not reading anything into it. The text clearly states, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. So when God sees that Moses has investigated, God says, I can use him. You know, beloved, we sometimes wonder why God's not using us to do anything. And the quick answer to it is, is that we have zero spiritual curiosity to see what God's looking at. And because we're not going and looking at what God's looking at and doing what God's wanting us to look at, we haven't caught God's attention. How do you catch God's attention? You see what God sees. Notice how often the text talks about God seeing the Israelites. Verse, verse 7 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. Verse number 9 says, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. If you go back to verse 25 of chapter 2, it says, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. 
Beloved, our task in life is not to go just looking uh, about and not thinking anything about them. Our task in life is to, is to not look at the world's issues and just be resigned to them. But our task is to look at the world's problems and look at them through the eyes of faith and see them through God's perspective, to see what God sees and to go and say, you know what, God can work in that. How can I go join God there so that the gospel can be advanced? What can I do through my power to correct it? Do you ever do that? Or do you just look around and say, well, there's nothing I can do. Do you ever look at it, beloved, and say, there's, what can one person do? By the way, I'm going to spoil the rest of the story. One person leads a million people out of bondage in Egypt. Surprise, one person can do a lot. The question is, if you will just see. Not what you want to see. Not what you want to look at. Because let's be honest. Let's just be honest. Which would you rather live next door to? A landfill or a scenic mountain vista? I don't see any hands voting up for landfill. By the way, nobody wants to live next to a smelly landfill either, right? We all want to look at something that's pretty. Beloved, God's attention is always on the ugly. What we would consider ugly, God sees as a place to work redemption, to change a story, to make His glory known, to show His grace. God does not look resignedly on us and say, well, there's nothing I can do for them. How do I know that? Because God did look at us. God did look at us in our horrible and wretched conditions. And what did He do? He sent Jesus to walk among us. And so, beloved, He calls us still. And we don't ever say back, Sadly, like Moses did, here am I. To go back to last week's statement about do you ever take time to investigate the things that you don't understand and, and you say, I, I want to, just sometimes I just want to know what God knows. Well, beloved, look at the text. Verse 25 of chapter 2 says quite clearly, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. He knew what the oppression that they were facing was. You want to know what God's knowing? You want to know what God's thinking at any point in time, beloved? Get your eyes focused on where God's eyes are. See what He sees and know that He can be at work. And more importantly, know that you're to follow Him to be the work through which he does the work. So that leads me to another question. Moses hears, right? Moses, Moses. He hears God. Beloved, are you engaging your sense of hearing? Are you engaging your sense of hearing to hear 
what God hears. If you go back to verse number 7, again, it concludes with, and I have heard the cry of their taskmasters. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. In verse number 9, he again says, I have heard. In verse number 23 of chapter 2, he says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned more of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry of rescue for their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. Beloved, do you hear the cries of the people of God's creation today? Or do you turn a deaf ear to them? Moses, I, Moses could not be ignorant here. I don't, I don't, Moses may have changed his mailing address, but Moses already knew how bad things were. And Moses fled. And I can't imagine that he said, well, things have got to be better now. Because he knew the direction things were going. But he, he was out there and he just sort of, though, turned a, a, a deaf ear. Are you listening to what God is saying or, or are you turning a deaf ear? Beloved, don't be like the dear old saint at Enfield. One Sunday, I caught him on, on videotape. I got up to preach and he turned his hearing aid off. Don't do that. You can do that to me. I don't care if you do that to me. But don't do that to God. Because God's always calling you. He's always calling me. Now some of you may be saying, well, how do I know that God is calling me? How, how can I discern that it's God? Well, I'll tell you what I do. If I keep hearing the same thing over and over again every time I turn around, I, I'll take a moment and I'll say, now God, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Do you do that? Let me ask you a question. Let's go, back to, let's go back to sermons for a minute. Do you ever hear the same thing in every sermon and think, why does he keep talking about that? And I don't even know what it is you may be hearing. And do you, and do you say, well, that, I wish he'd shut up on that. Well, beloved, first off, I don't know what I'm saying. Because if you're hearing it, then I believe that God's directing you to hear it. So if I believe that God's directing you to hear it, because there are times where I'll be preaching on something. I preached on something one Sunday, and a woman got at me at the door, and she talked to me about how I had preached on and encouraged her in her work on environmentalism, and I hadn't even preached on environmentalism that Sunday. So God can be doing anything and he can be talking to you. And the question is, are you going to listen? Have you turned into the same frequency, tuned into the same frequency that God's on? Or are you just trying to refrain by tuning in interference? Are you hearing today? Now, sight and smell and hearing readily jump out at us in this text. But where is touch or taste? Well, let, let's start with touch. 
What are you feeling this morning through touch? Are you aware of the touch of the holy? Verse number five says, And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Take your shoes off, Moses. Now, I, I have thought about this text, and I'm beginning to wonder if we have misinterpreted it. As somehow or another, shoes are unholy to God. That somehow Moses' shoes was unholy, and therefore, that's why God said, take your shoes off. Your shoes are filthy, dirty. You've been out there with sheep. Who knows what you've been walking through. Take your shoes off. Beloved, it's not like he had on a pair of Nikes. He had on sandals. So whatever's on his shoes, I guarantee you, is on his feet. And I also, and I got to think about this further, I went and read in Leviticus, and nowhere in Leviticus can I find where God instructs the high priest when the high priest is to enter the Holy of Holies to take his shoes off. The presence of God is there in the Holy of Holies. And yet, I can't figure out why he didn't tell him to take his shoes off there. And so, my, my wonder is, what if the instruction to take his shoes off is to enable Moses to fully experience the holy. To enable Moses to fully experience the holy. You know, I've been pastor at Grove Park for five years. I have no clue what this carpet feels like. Have you ever figured out what this carpet feels like? I've never figured out what this carpet feels like. My shoes are already on. So I have no clue what this carpet feels like. None at all. Does it, is it, has it got a good plush to it? Can you dig your feet into it? When I'm... Well, I still, I still got socks on. I still don't I have a mild idea of what this carpet feels like. But I have really no clue. Oh, this is some good feeling carpet. This carpet is cool to the touch. It's plush. I hate to walk around bare feet. Tell you what, Liza, we're thinking about carpet for the living room. This might be it. You, I can dig my toes into this carpet. Moses is out in the desert, beloved. And God says, take your shoes off. Moses didn't have to worry about socks. Why? You're standing on holy ground. Moses, dig your toes in. Experience, Moses, the holy. You know, we talk about holiness all the time, right? We talk about holiness as an ethic and a purity of life. And I don't want you to not think about that, beloved. But I want you to think about it in simpler terms. What if... God's calling us all the time to reach out and touch the holy and to dig our feet into it 
and to be aware of it. Look at, look at verse number 8. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Amorites and all those other heights. He says, I've come. I've come. In other words, my presence has come to take them out. Now go on down to verse number 10. He says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Did, did you catch all that, beloved? He says, I have come, which means God is what? He's present right there. And then he says, now, Moses, you're going to go back. And what is he going to go back to? Well, he's going to go back to the Pharaoh. But does he, you know, so he also goes on here and says, he says, what? I will be with you. In other words, Moses, this holy is going to travel with you. Beloved, do you feel the holy today? Do you feel the hovering holy of God with you each day and that that holy hovering God enables you to do things seemingly beyond your power? Do you seek out that touch? Do you recognize in, in those moments of life that life is not to be mundane, but it is to always be feeling that touch and to be aware of a holy moment where God can say, use you to spread the gospel. One of our folks was telling me a story the other day. They had gone to buy food for the, for the uh, food pantry. And they were at Food Line. And they bought all this stuff. And I don't even know why they all bought, but it was more than two people could eat. And the clerk says to him, why are you buying all this? Ooh, holy moment, right? You say, well, I don't know. Yeah, they chose to t feel the touch of the holy. And they said, it's for our church's food pantry. Oh, it's for your church? Yeah, Grove Park Baptist Church. 108 Trail 1, Burlington, North Carolina. We'd love to have you 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Do you feel the touch, beloved? Do you feel the touch when you can go feed uh, schools that you don't even have a direct ministry to, like Turrentine and Smith, right there in that moment? Beloved, the touch of the holy is always with us, and we're too busy wearing shoes and socks and parkas and everything else to keep us insulated from feeling the holy. When God says, dig your toes into the sand and feel it. Do you think I'm at all comfortable standing up here with no shoes and socks on? My wife would tell you I'm dying inside. If my mother's watching, she's done and had a heart attack. But God invites Moses to feel the presence of the holy and the same invitation is given to you each and every day of your life. Every moment. 
You say, okay, now I can see the touch, but, but I've, been, I've read this text before. There is no, there ain't no tasting in here, Mark. There ain't no tasting in there. Oh, contraire, beloved. Oh, contraire. Look back to verse number eight. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Did you taste it? Did you taste hope? Did you taste freedom? Did you taste abundance? Did you taste power? Because, beloved, that's what that verse right there serves up. He says, I'm going to take you to a good and broad land. You're not going to be confined. Even in Egypt, they were confined to, to Goshen. They were confined to one spot. And even when they went into slavery, they had to stay where they told them to stay. But here, God says, I'm going to give you a wide open spaces like the Dixie Chicks sang about. You're going to be able to do what you want to do. And then he says, you're going to go to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Beloved, English is an abominable failure for this verse. Because the Hebrew here is not flowing. Because you and I get this image of it's just a nicely flowing, gentle stream. No, the Hebrew here is gushing. Gushing. I have a vice. Here's my vice. I get caught up on Facebook videos sometimes of this unclogged drain video company in which the drain is clogged or the dam is there and they, they can't get anything out of it. And so I'll sit there for two minutes and I'll watch them play with whatever thing they're poking into this thing. And, and then all of a sudden what happens? Does the water flow gently out? No, 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 no. It gushes. It's like standing inside of a, uh, in a fire hydrant trying to drink. God says, I'm going to give you milk and honey. It's gushing with milk and honey. And you, we read these, these lists of people here, these ites, and we don't think a thing about them. But beloved, these ites are some of the most powerful nations in the world beyond the Egyptians. And what does God say here? You're going to take what they have. You who have no power right now are going to take what they have. You who are enslaved and beaten and oppressed and crying out for rescue are going to defeat some of the greatest powers in the world. And the first one you're going to defeat, by the way, because you're going to go to the land of Canaan, is you're going to defeat the Egyptians. And so there is a cornucopia delivered up here for them to eat from of hope and abundance and power and the taste has got to be great. And so this morning, beloved, let me ask you, can you taste the promise of heaven? Can you taste hope? You know, far too often we can't do it and we lose out and we say, I can't, it just won't change. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. All the world's going to hell. Nothing's going to change. Taste hope today. Or just keep eating bland stuff, beloved. I don't care. 
It's your choice. I feel sorry for you, though. I always feel sorry for really thin people. I do. I look at them and I I go, well, they might have a metabolism, but something tells me they don't know what it's like to sit down to an Amish buffet and empty it like I do. And you say, oh, Mark. Beloved, you might as well enjoy your food. And I don't mean physical food. I mean the spiritual food of God of hope and power and freedom and abundance. And you just keep nibbling at it. And he's telling you to taste it. Eat it. Have sensory overload. You say, well, Mark, my senses are dulling. You know what I've learned, beloved? Is that when one goes dull, the other ones will pick up. So when you, when you think about things and you think about maybe situations in your life or maybe you think about situations here at Grove Park, you think about the future and you think, well, what, what can I do? Beloved, let me ask you a question. Can you see, smell, taste, hear, and touch what God wants you to see, smell, taste, hear, and touch today about it? Well, Mark, I'm just, I don't know. I'm sort of beaten down. I just don't know. Well, beloved, you know, I think Moses has the same question here. So let's, let's deal with Moses one last bit here. Verse number 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am that has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now, two things pop out here. Two things. Number one, beloved, can you look backwards and see where God's been? Can you look backwards and see where God's been? As a congregation, can we look backwards and see where God's been? That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, he says, the God who did is the God who will. The God who did, he hasn't changed. He's still here. He will. But then, I want you to notice the next part. If you need any further confirmation, he says, tell them that the I am has sent you. The I am. Now, beloved... I like history. I, I just dabble in grammar. But I am is present. I am is present. So in other words, the God who, who, who was, is. The God who did, does. To put it as one group said in a song one time, the great I am still is. So the question is, what tense do you believe God for today, beloved? Do you believe God for past tense or do you believe God for present tense? Because you say, well, what about future tense? Well, beloved, 
If he's always in the present, that means that when I get to the future, he's still going to be present. So, whatever excuse you came to why God can't move in your life today and why you can't experience one of the five senses of God in your life so that you show that you've got some God sense is... He is able to meet your need today. So, occasionally I put it to you very bluntly. I'm going to put it to you very bluntly right now. Are you going to make God a liar? Are you going to make God a liar? And say... There's nothing God can do. Because the great I am still is. Let's pray. Oh God, who still is, who was and is and is to come, Show us your power. Unnerve us to respond to you today. To feel the holy. To accept the invitation to dig our, our toes in deep. To taste and see and smell and hear that you are good. And to make sure that our smell is as a fragrant fragrant aroma in your nostrils. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound.